Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. The bleachers are back. It is the midway point in the baseball season, and Tuttle and I couldn't be more excited to be back on our uh, bi-coastal podcast. Uh, I am Jeff Blum. I am a 14-year Major League veteran of baseball, and now I am uh, the current color commentator for everybody, for America's team, especially up in the uh, great northeast of New York, uh, the Houston Astros, everybody's favorite team. And Tuttle is out there on the left coast, played a ton of baseball in college, was on Team USA, traded several times in the minor leagues, never quite got the break that the Blummer got, but equally as great guy, fun talk entertainment, knowledge, whatever you need, Tuttle's going to bring it. And uh, the midway point in the season is going to be an interesting time. But uh, Tuttle, we had a chance to hook up last week in Anaheim. It was very good to see you. Actually took care of a day off for me, which I greatly appreciate. And maybe, I don't know if we talked about it, but uh, we actually had a chance to cruise, have some lunch. Uh, You got me hopped up on Vietnamese coffee, which I greatly enjoyed (laughs) and uh, rode the rest of the day after you left, man. How are you doing, dude? Good to see you. It's awesome to see you. Yeah, Blummer is great. It's so funny. I was telling my wife, I'm like, you know, I feel like I see Blum all the time. And then I got to see you <laughs> in, in person. And it was like, it was a great experience. I was like, you know, there's something about, you know, I guess it's the same as your family, right? Like you travel and you're close to them and you're on the group text. So when you get home and you give your daughters a hug, you're like, oh yeah, this is what home feels like. So it was mm-hmm. really good to see you. Uh, the conversation was great. Uh, it's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to fill those times. I mean, I think I made the comment to you. It's, uh, your life, obviously you don't have to show up early for BP, but you got to do your game prep. You got, I mean, your life hasn't changed a whole lot from being a real ball player on the road. It's kind of like, how do you get out of the hotel at a decent hour after a workout and, you know, kill the day? And you're like, yeah, maybe go see a movie, run into Tuttle, have a coffee. I did get you hopped up on Vietnamese coffee, which is, uh, it's a good way to make it through your day. It's better. Oh, it's, it's a great it's legal. finish to the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a le- it's it's legal and uh yeah, and it's good. You trying to get me in trouble? Drinking coffee? <laughs> trying to get you in trouble. Anyway, but you guys were out. Yeah, it's and having those off days on the road are sometimes challenging, but you guys were out playing the uh the lovely Anaheim Angels and uh they did not look good. It's just amazing to have so many superstars out here and then they struggle. So, but uh but then you go Dude. play somebody like the A's. The Astros play the A's, and the A's win two out of three. And it's like, hmm. I mean, Dude, I don't did, think it was the pitching, Did you watch so. any of those games? I know you watch the, I did. the Angel I, games, but you watch. Well, I did watch some of the A's because I texted you, and you put yeah, me in my place in a good way. Yeah, but what was your opinion of that series, though? Honestly, you can, you can be way more honest than I can. Well, I don't know if I... I don't know if I watched enough to... Well, I'll tell you what I saw. You Remember I enough. texted you about Altuve. <laughs> Yeah, and you and you were very honest. You said he's hurt, which is fair. But um, you know, we were talking about. Uh, oh, I was is he watching hurt enough the not Cardinals. to miss the all, or is he hurt enough to miss the All Star game? Hmm. Um. So, so the, we're going to talk about that today. I know we're in the lead off, uh, lead off spot of here. What's on tap? But I, I do think the All Star game may have lost its luster when you have like. You know, Trout kind of goes out, back spasms. Nope, no All-Star game. Uh, Verlander throws six innings. Like, nah, I think I'm going to take the All-Star game off. Of course, they're all going to the All-Star game for the festivities George Springer with their did the family. Same thing. He was like, ah, I've got a tweak, yeah. but he played the next three games for the Blue Yeah, like, so, eh. so and, and let's delve into that a little bit. We have a couple of things to delve into. So I wasn't impressed, but again, I don't always know. So we watched the Cardinals this week, and this will get back to your question, where the pitcher, the manager came out, and the pitcher kind of threw the ball, and he walked off the mound that he's like hey come back here and they were and Harrison Bader was interviewed after the game and said that one year where he he popped the ball up and he carried his bat halfway down to first and went to the dugout and the manager took him out of the game and uh and he said you know what professional championship teams don't have guys on their team that do that and I did mm. that and that was you know and then they showed obviously Pujols talking so that comes all the way back to Altuve when I texted you now I wasn't watching the whole game you told me he was hurt but man, you know, they were complaining. He was complaining. Well, he wasn't complaining. He was saying how he needs a hit like everybody. He was 0 for 3. He hits that <laughs> pop up and he's obviously frustrated. And yeah. I do know this as a ball player. It's really hard to get to second on a pop up. It's not like, I mean, you don't want to be halfway to second, then pick it up and fire you out. And you're like, oh, great. But yeah. he was not standing at first base when that ball hit. <laughs> he was standing about 10 feet from it. And you're like, ah, he's injured. I'm like, you just got to run it out, dude. And so, 
if that's a microcosm of the series, and and I do think the pitching. Good point. I mean, any anytime you have JV on the mound, it's like all right. Um, you know, you're in pretty it's good shape. Lock. So that was that was a shutout. But they lost what four to three. Uh, they yeah. were up three nothing, and then oh, and then Maldonado. Uh, oh no, that was the um, that was the JV game. Then you lost was three JV to game. two. No, three that was two. the first first game. They lost three to two. They won five to yep. five to nothing yep. the next five. day on JV's day yep. on the grand slam by Maldonado. Four three. Yep. Yeah, but the four three game is the one that kind of drives you nuts. I mean, I'll let you yeah. finish, but just the Astros hit two home runs in that game, and they're like thirty six and two or something crazy yeah. when they hit two home runs. And now they're thirty six and three. So go ahead and finish your point. Yeah. I'll, I'll, well, I'll no, I was just going to say. No, no, so you know the pitching is solid. So what do you have to do with yeah. the offense? You got to string it together. The A's are not the strongest team. And, you know, it kind of looked like they were um, coasting into the all-star break. And I'll just leave it yeah. at that. No, I, th- I think that's a very polite way of putting it. And I can't blame them for that. I think they're nine games up in the West. So as good as the Seattle Mariners are, I think they're cu- they're going into the all-star break with a 14-game winning streak. But how about... How about being the Mariners winning 14 games straight, and then all of a sudden you're going, dude, we're still nine games out. What the hell do we have to do? So I think it kind of shifts focus for them and puts them in the wild card spot. But, you know, no Jordan Alvarez. Uh, Yuli actually swung the bat pretty good in that series. Uh, Alex Bregman's coming around. But you didn't have – you had Jeremy Pena for a little bit, Hurt, and then you had uh, Michael Brantley still on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, There's question marks about him. So I think it's it's health and coasting and just you know let's just I'm I'm tired it's 92 games get me through the break get me into the break give me some time to relax and get away from these people and we'll go finish it out I think that's all it is and you know as as well as I do the way these seasons unfold and by the time you get to the day they clinch guess what we're not going to talk about we're not going to talk about how they went into the All Star break kind of like yeah we're all right. We're good. We don't have to worry about it. You know? So, I mean, once they clinch, all that stuff's kind of washed away anyways, which I think is going to happen, you know, September probably. Well, I mean, the Mariners are, like you said, they, the Mariners won 14 straight and they're still nine games back. We saw this last year with the Dodgers and the Giants. The, Gi- the Dodgers went 18 and two. And I think they were still two games behind the Giants because the Giants went 17 and three or something. And you're like, what the? Went so you, so you can only control yourself, right? So the Mariners are playing good baseball. But I, I, I agree with you. I, my analogy is when uh, grandma and grandpa come to see the kids. Now, your kids are pretty much, I don't know if they've stopped growing. But when they're little, you don't you just see the kids every day, right? Incrementally, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, they got bigger over the last year. It's fine. But grandma and grandpa are like, oh, my God. Like, So <laughs> I think when you watch the Astros play, if you're watching every game like you and TK and Julia and most of the fans do – you see this incremental growth or this incremental shift in like effort or, Ooh, Mm -hmm. I do see, I do sense this. You notice it a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Myself. I just kind of come in and I'm like, Oh, the Astros are nine games up and eh, you know, they got beat, you know, they won five, nothing. They lost four to three, you know, the, the, the ball didn't bounce their way today, but I think you Mm -hmm. guys can notice those little subtleties a little better. And I think you're right at the end of 162 games. If they clinch the, uh, uh, American league West with this conversation will be, uh, long forgotten it will be and uh there's good things moving forward but i think it's a kind of interesting to talk about that kind of thing too just because as a fan you're going what, what's wrong with these guys how come they're not playing well but fatigue is real and it's not just yeah. physical it's mental and once you start to get your your mind on something other than the game and just get me through the game guess what some things fall apart you get a little uh lackadaisical in, in some areas of the game and we saw that on defense but yeah. relax Pump the brakes. Yeah. Be patient. They'll probably make a move at the deadline. Who knows what's going on? But I know once they get back to full health, it's going to be uh, running around like gangbusters. But that's just one of the things we wanted to talk about. What's on tap brought to you by St. Arnold. We're going to talk about a myriad of things. We're going to try and get through it as quick as we can because Juan Soto turned down the the mega deal of the century. We haven't heard numbers this high, and he turned it down. Uh KC went into Toronto with uh, some vaccination issues. Uh, maybe Kangaroo Court. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about Kangaroo Court. I think it's come back into play a little bit in some of the clubhouses. Uh, the MLB draft just happened. And what about this All-Star game? We kind of hinted at George Springer, Jose Altuve, Mike Trout, some of these guys bailing from the uh, All-Star game. We'll talk about if that if that's lost its luster a little bit. But uh, we do, are we doing leadoff lyrics? What do we got? What do you think? Yeah, I can do leadoff lyrics. You're I don't know dog? if we. Yeah, the problem is we don't have down dog. Is this yoga? Yoga class? Yoga? I. Uh, <laughs> you do the yoga? 
Um, I don't know if uh, we have a – so, you guys, we, we still want you to stay engaged. I don't know if we have the winners from last week. I'm sure somebody guessed mine, I remember. But uh, anyway, we yeah, don't, I don't, you don't I have the winner a, handy, do you? Yeah, where's our producer for crying yeah, out loud? Stick know, around yeah, towards the end of the podcast because then we will shout you out for leadoff lyrics because there you go. we are That's nothing right. without our producer, Mark Ramos. That's right. Um, all right, so I do have leadoff lyrics. I've got a little pattern going here. This one, I think – I always say they're easy, but I guess it's because I know them. <laughs> but I think the first line <laughs> is kind of a track. giveaway. Yeah, but the first line is kind of a giveaway. I'm going to try and read it not in a lyrical form. All right, you ready for my leadoff lyric? Do you ever lyrics? have the urge to sing it? Mm, I do. Yeah, especially this yeah. one, which is weird. Um, yeah, so leadoff lyrics, folks. Get at us at bleacherblums.com or uh, at Twitter at bleacherblums and let us know what our songs are. Uh, maybe these bring back memories for you like they do for us, but uh, we've been doing leadoff lyrics and it's been fun. So we'll give you a shout out on the podcast if you guess them correctly. All right. Yeah, this, this is a giveaway, but I got to go that way. <laughs> uh, I, read, I read the news today. Oh boy. About a lucky man who made the grade. And though the news was rather sad, well, I just had to laugh. I saw the photograph. Oh. <gasps> Moving in the right direction. I like it. That a boy. All right. Yeah. All right. First so that's Tuttle's leadoff lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it, Blummer. Let's hear it, buddy. All right. My turn. Tur turn it up a little bit. Sit back in your seat. Relax. Because <laughs> here we go. Your contribution left unnoticed. Some association with an image. Just credit time for showing up again. Attention wandered. I'm left with it. Gone by sin too slowly. Can't pass it up. Then I thought nothing is right. I turned it off. That's it. Mm. If you know those lyrics, make sure you go to at Bleacher Blums on Twitter or Instagram and let us know who that artist is and what song we are referencing when you are enjoying leadoff lyrics. And we will mention your name eventually on this podcast because we are grateful for all of our listeners. We are grateful for everybody that follows us on Twitter at Blummer27 at Real David Tuttle. Uh, Tuttle, how many followers you got on Twitter? Oh, yeah. I think I texted you. I am, you know, I'm, I, I was texting or no, I, I, I reached out to Fontenot. You were actually engaged with like, fans on that, man. Yeah. So, well, I'm not good at that, but I'm just short of a thousand. I think I'm about 150 God, short. We of need a to thousand. push. All right. So there you go. I appreciate you saying that. Let's get Tuttle up to a, at least a thousand followers. I'll be, I'm a little, I think I'm a little better on Twitter and I'm, and the more engagement I get, the I'm, I'm kind of snarky. I'm not great yeah, at creating are. the tweet. But I can just, you know, I can. Oh, you've I got some comebacks. You, the rebuttal, yeah. the Tuttle rebuttal is always what you're like. That's what you're following right. for, you know. And I appreciate right. the fact that you admit that you're not jumping on coattails. You're trying to create your own image, your own brand. You but you know, if it's not fair that I've got my followers and at least a thousand of them haven't followed you. Oh, I yeah, may have to right. do that on. Come on, people. you know what I mean? Yeah, so <laughs> yeah step up. I'm with you. <laughs> and while you're doing it, make sure you go to uh, any podcast platform and subscribe and download our podcast because there we only go. get better with more subscriptions and more uh, engagements. So we'd appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thank you for the shout out, Blummer. And I agree with you. I think I'm better as the, as the Tuttle rebuttal. So the more followers mm. I get and the more people that reach out. Hashtag. Yes, hashtag. The better that, uh, the better that Tuttle will be on Twitter. So anyway. And I got to at least catch Fontenot. I mean, come on. I'm very yeah, let's local. Go. He's the Astro Baseball's podcast. Like that's very a narrow-minded and single focus. Like, come on, come on, let's go. All right, what do you want? Okay, so Tuttle, when I when I approached you about doing this podcast, we were standing in a parking lot, and I threatened you with doing a podcast, and it didn't take four hundred and forty million dollars to get you to do it, which I appreciate. <laughs> it speaks to loyalty. It speaks to enjoyment. But dear Lord. Yeah. Uh, Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals got offered a 15-year contract. Now, granted, he's 24. That would put him around 39, 40 years old. 15 years, $440 million. What say you when you heard that he turned down $440 million? Sure. 
You know, I try not to be a fanboy too often. There's a couple of things that jumped out, and I really want to hear your thoughts on this. So I'll try and be brief. But so 15 no, years is 39. Big. We keep we keep talking about Bobby Bonilla Day, right? Like like he did his contracts, <laughs> right? But some of these yep. young guys, to your point, like the Trouts of the world, Mookie Betts, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tatis, uh, Machado, like these big long-term deals. Uh, we can go on. Corey Seager, the way the contracts have changed. I mean, that's yeah. essentially what they're doing, right? They're providing for their family and probably the next generation. I mean, these guys are um, transcendental, maybe? I don't know. Uh, baseball players. Like, they know what they're doing for the rest of their life, right? So mm-hmm. Soto is certainly in that category. I think in the past two or three years at age 21, 22, uh, when they won the World Series, I mean, he was certainly an integral part of that at a young age, and he's a great hitter. So we know he's going to be around. So 15 years, $440 million to me. Let's take out the years. Let's take out the money. And let's look mm-hmm. at what why you would turn something like that down. I mean, I don't think, Blum, I don't think – this is not average annual value, <laughs> and this is not like, hey, well, I want to get to five hundred million. Could it be the annual value? Because it's only twenty nine. I think it's twenty nine million three hundred something. But you know, could it be that? Yes, I mean, of course. Like, if you're going to look at the numbers, his agent could say, well, AAV, you know, average annual value is not going to be there. But my point is, and that's that's the ego part of it. That's what Carlos right. Correa signed with Minnesota for to say that he was the highest paid position player. Right. So just but yeah, four hundred forty million dollars, like. This isn't most people don't play the game for money. I mean, you play for the love of the game and you play to, you know, like I said this a long time ago. If you're the best player, you want to be paid like the best. So you mentioned that with mm-hmm. Correa. That's fine. But I think if somebody gives you a 15 year, $440 million contract, there, that is no slight against your ego and your ability. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you, you've said this before. You played 14 years, you never had a multi year deal. I mean, that speaks to, yeah. you know, how you fit in and where you went, but gosh, you would have taken a five-year, $30 million deal in a heartbeat because it gives you some security and you have a family. So I know he's young, but I think this speaks more to the fact that that he, he doesn't want to be in Washington. I mean, that's, I, that's what I think he's yeah. saying. That's the statement I take away from that. What say you? Well, it's hard not to because, you know, I think uh, the big hurt on one of their Fox shows, they asked him about it and he said, you know, if if, if somebody came at me with 15 years, $440 million and it was the team that drafted me, developed me, put me in the big leagues and I won a World Series with them, I'd sign it in the heartbeat out of loyalty. So, you know, that's one way of looking at it, but that's also a guy who played in the, you know, 1980s, you know, he, that, that the loyalty is a little more common, I think in that era. So it's hard to put yourself in Juan Soto's shoes because even though he's on the worst team, he's still one of the best players in major league baseball. And I think there is a, yeah, there's a lot of ego involved with Juan Soto. I mean, you see the act when it's on, on the field, you know, the way he takes pitches, the way he hits his home runs and the way he jogs around the bases, but t- I'm I'm in agreement with you. The second I heard that he said he said he did not want 15 years, 440 million dollars. It, it didn't say I don't feel I'm worthy of that contract. It told me that I I don't want to be in D.C. because that is a very worthy contract for anybody of that stature. And I think there's plenty of guys around the league that if you put them in uh, the Chicago with the Cubs, if you put them in L.A. with the Dodgers, if you put them in a Yankee Stadium or the Mets and offer that contract, those guys jump at that opportunity. So I do feel like it is something has something to do with the Nationals. I don't know if it's because of the city. I don't know if it's because of the management or the coaching staff. But there is something going on in there that says, you know what, you could offer me $500 million and I'm not going to be here. Or maybe there is a number that could keep him there. I'm not sure. Do you think it is an annual value thing or is it just blatantly, I want to get the heck out of here? Because I think what it did is it set off alarm bells across the league. And I think even um, Rizzo, the GM, kind of mentioned kind of, you know, out of the side of his mouth is, well, if he's not going to take that deal, we'll send him somewhere where he wants to get that deal. So we're open to offers on trading Juan Soto here. That's what's crazy. Right. And two months ago, Rizzo said, we are not going to trade him at the deadline. We want to build around <laughs> yeah. him. And they offer him 15 at 440, which is, I mean, it's an astronomical amount. I, I agree with you. In uh, But there's ego and you see the way he plays, but he's not the only Latin American baseball player that has a lot of... Um, Mm-hmm. swagger in his game like that's you know the game you know very well is different and those guys bring a flair and a you know Cunha jr's been accused of that i mean there's other guys that kind of sometimes oh, yeah. i don't want to take anything away the... from that either but yeah he's yeah definitely no. got, you know 
an identity. Yeah, and you have to have an ego to play this game. But I think the biggest challenge. <laughs> every one of them. Yeah, every one of them. But the biggest challenge for me is you've we've talked about this before. Like the contract going public is another thing. Like if this was mm-hmm. something that they didn't want to be out there, um, they would have said, "All right, they're really close on a deal, right? Like maybe it's four sixty or four seventy five. Maybe it is the average annual value at fifteen yeah. years, and they get that knocked out." But Rizzo two months ago said, "We're not interested in training him. We want to build around him," and now he's turned down this huge offer. Um, you know, based in terms of actually forget average annual value, length of the contract and dollars involved is one of the best contracts ever offered in the history of baseball. And he's yeah. turning it down. And now Rizzo comes out right away and says, oh, yeah, well, we could be open to trading him. And I think it's interesting. And I, and from a let's take his ego and all the stuff out of it. I mean, we keep talking about the Angels with Trout and Otani. I mean, maybe Soto, simply enough, his agent sees them over there. You know, they're 30 and 60. Mm-hmm. Um, from a record perspective, or twenty nine and fifty two, or whatever they are at the All Star break here, and he doesn't want them to build the the franchise around him because he doesn't see them, you know, doing what they need to do. And last year, you know, he was my MVP, so that's a weird thing. Like I thought, the reason yeah. Harper won the MVP is the Phillies were in the hunt. He wasn't mm-hmm. in the hunt, but I mean, he's he's one of the best players in the league, and they want to pay him like it. And he doesn't. I, I just take it as he doesn't want to be there, but. Could it be because you already won a World Series or he's kind of done with the whole situation? You kind of reached the peak of be, being in the, you know, I don't know. Because maybe I like the point of looking over the, across the coast to Anaheim and saying, okay, they've got two of the best players in the world and they can't they can't even make it to the playoffs. They can't win the right. West. So right. maybe there is an, a, a sense of, you hope that there's a sense of Juan Soto saying, you know what, it would be great to be here. The contract's great, but it would just stifle the opportunity to bring in more talent. I don't know. That's a really good yeah, question. Know. Because if you are on the outside looking in, you've got a mega contract with Mike Trout. You've got a mega contract coming with Shohei Otani. And then you and Rendon has a mega contract. And now you're like, what do we do now? You can't get to the playoffs with three of the best players in the league. And Juan Soto may be looking at that going, okay, maybe I maybe this isn't the place that I want to try and do this. Yeah. I don't know. We talked about Freddie Freeman firing his representation. You wonder Mm -hmm. sometimes how much is the player, how much is their representation and what information is important to you. And so if they're, if they're in lockstep or they're in cahoots, then, you know, only they know their agenda. I mean, I, I just feel like you're around the game. You've been in the clubhouse. Like what, you know, I mean, the con, the contracts are separate, right? You're not like begrudging a guy, but if you're in that clubhouse, what are you thinking? Right. I don't know. Oh, dude, I'm like, dude, if I'm if I'm sitting next to Juan Soto's locker and he comes in and I'm reading on my Twitter feed that he just turned down 440 million, I'm going, "All right, dude, where are you going? Are you going to stay here? You know, did you ask for more money?" And that's what's crazy to me is the next assumption is, did he counter offer? You know, did he yeah. go back with something else like you said and go, "Hey, could I get 460 or could I get 10 yeah. years of 400 million?" Yeah. I don't want to be playing for 15 years, right. you know, you maybe that's him, the case. Would you give him a little shit in the clubhouse? Like, do you think somebody's giving him a oh. hard time in there? Well, first off, I would give him a little bit of crap, and I'd be like, "Man, things are going pretty good, ain't they?" Turned out four hundred forty million. I'm sitting over here with my, you know, one point two five, and and you're over there shutting down, you know, four hundred times that. And then I'd go, "Man, dude, I'm jealous, man. You're really yeah. good, and you got a big That's time right. offer." And then you know that even though he turned it down with DC, there's somebody out there in the universe that's going, "We'll pay him more." <laughs> that's what's yep. crazy to oh, me. Absolutely, yeah. No, he's he's gonna get what do they say broke off? Is that what the kids say these oh, days? Oh yeah, you're gonna, gonna get, get broke, broke off, off, dog. That's right. He's gonna get <laughs> broke to off. You get but, millennial. <laughs> there you go. But my point is, is that I like that about the clubhouse. I you know this is yeah. a digress. I was giving my wife a hard time yesterday, and she goes, "You know, I'm not one of the players in the locker room." I get that all <laughs> like the I time. Just, I know. I opened something up, and then I then I then I doubled down on it. You know, I went in there to see if I could turn the knife a little bit, and she's like, "Hey, hello, like stop it." Like, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Not that's not one my... of your dudes. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, so but I but I do think it's nice to know that you would give him a hard time. And, and you know, like you said, he's going to get paid. So we'll see what yeah. happens. But I, I think the fact that he turned it down and then Rizzo pretty quickly said, yep, he's on the trading block is something that, uh, 
you know, indicates that maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't like Washington, D.C. Yeah, I completely agree. It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds because the trade deadline, and mark this on your calendars, normally it's July 31st, but they've adjusted it to August 2nd, which I think is a Monday. And I think they're waiting for all those series to end on the weekend and then make that trade at the beginning of the week while teams are either, either on the off day or starting a new series. So it just kind of makes it easy logistically. Um it's a Tuesday, what? but I mean, I don't think. Oh, that it's matters. a Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, it's a Tuesday. But it, usually, that's would... uh, yeah. Those those are like the downtime. You're in the middle of a series instead of at the end of a series, which uh, yep. would have been, I think, Sunday. That's why they changed it. Yep. You think we uh, got time for a sponsor here, buddy? Yep. Let's uh, roll yep. to a Blue Wire Podcast Network sponsor. The best way to learn a language: immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And thank you to our sponsors, and thank you to our fans for continuing to be patient with us as we grind through this podcast. It has been good. It has been fun. Juan Soto, uh, if he gets a little couple more bucks, maybe he can float them our way and help our podcast out a little bit. But, uh, you know, there's an interesting thing happening north of the border. We still have the COVID situation across the world and the different effects and the different mandates that are, are included in this have an effect on Major League Baseball. And And there is one team outside of the U.S. It is the Toronto Blue Jays. And Canada has a different set of rules for COVID. You have to be vaccinated or else you can't enter the country. And that affects teams moving in. Having been through that process with the Houston Astros, I know that I have been vaccinated. I know that uh, the entire team was able to make it through. But there have been teams that have left players behind because of the vaccination issue. And the only reason we bring this up is because Kansas City was the most recent team to go through there. And not just one, not just two, not just three, but 10 players were unvaccinated going through the border for the Kansas City Royals, which led to a bunch of logistical issues. But Tuttle, when you heard the news, what were your thoughts? Well, you know... This is why I put this on a list to talk about today, because I really had a question for you on this. So the Red Sox went up there. They had four unvaccinated players, I believe, that were on their uh, initial roster, 25-man. Is it a 25 or 26 now? 26-man. Yeah, they went from 28 to 26 recently. Yes. So anyway, the 26-man roster had only four guys. But guess what? One of the guys was their closer, and they blew two leads when they were up there. So it's (laughs) like, all right. So take one for the team or not? I don't know. So when you hear the Royals have 10 unvaccinated players, now you mentioned something that really is the crux of what I wanted to get at, which is when you went up there with the Astros, everybody, the whole team went through, including the broadcast crew and everybody made it through because you were vaccinated. If you were on a team, now I know the Royals are not in the playoff hunt, but you have strong political beliefs. Yes, that's fine. Kyrie Irving made his uh, beliefs well known. But you know, you're the Red Sox, you're trying to hunt down the Yankees. You're 17 and 3 at least going up there and you're going to get guys like Sale back until he breaks his finger and you know, you're trying to get into the momentum of the season and you don't take five players up there as a teammate. I already asked you what you would say to Juan Soto who turned down 440. Yeah, I mean, you got to rib guys in the clubhouse like, "Hey, you know, you turned it down. You must be feeling pretty good. Don't be afraid to send some my way when you actually sign." <laughs> um so what do you, I mean, like even if I had strong political views or, um, you know, the health issues, I mean, there's health issues on both sides. Right. And I know there was strong political ties to this, but every year with the flu shot, like you're not, it's not mandated, but it's like, 
the results are you either get the flu shot, you get sick or you don't get sick. You don't get the flu shot, you get sick or you don't get sick, right? I mean, they're trying to predict the strain. I get the science behind it. Mm -hmm. I just think that for my teammates, the 26 guys in the clubhouse, we got to play as a team. We got to be unified. We got to do this. And maybe they feel like they're unified because half the team didn't get vaccinated. And they're like, screw it. We don't, we'll just give that series away. Of course, they won the first game. So maybe maybe you lose your job. <laughs> maybe you get Wally pipped. We take, to, Ooh, we take leave go. 10 guys home. You guys are fringe guys anyway. Some of them, I know some are superstars. It really depends on where you sit. And then you come back down and they're like, hey, we won five games in a row. Guy's batting 440. We're just mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna leave him on the roster. Um. Anyway, I digress as usual. My point is, <laughs> what what do you? I mean, what are your thoughts on a teammate that doesn't want to get vaccinated for the team when you want to win the yeah. championship? So we all respect each other's beliefs and ideologies, and you get along and you you, you do these things. But it's amazing that this this polit I don't know if it's political ideology or this personal ideology that you have that says. I'm not going to do this because of whatever, you know, have you ever seen if there was a Star Trek movie, I hate Star Trek, but my dad loved it. <laughs> but I remember there was this one, this one scene where Spock is like dying, you know, he's taking the, you know, he's taking it for the team kind of thing. Logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And he said, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. And that kind of, that's kind of how that team philosophy is a little bit. I'm going to sacrifice bunt my at bat to make the team, put the team in a better position to win. So that, you know, these sacrifices are all over the place, but where, where do you get to the point where taking a vaccination shot trumps the fact that you want to go out and compete, play, uh, earn uh, a living for your family and all of that? You know, that's where I get kind of lost. I mean, is the the vaccination shot that tragic? Do you think you're going to have that bad of a reaction to it? Or does it expose the fact that you're, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know where that is because the only thing I can compare it to is obviously I have a job. I have to provide for my family. So if I didn't have to take the vaccination shot, I don't know if I would. But the fact that it was, set, you know, it was set up in a way where I needed to take the vaccination to continue to do my job, I said, that seems like a pretty small price to pay to continue to work and be better at my job and continue to work. You know, that's where I think if you're playing, isn't it a small price to pay to go play kind of thing? Because, uh, you know, there there were certain, uh, in the past, I've done certain volunteer work at hospitals. And I'm not a flu vaccine guy, really, you know, because like we've talked about on this podcast, it's 50% you don't get it, it's 50% yeah. you get it. So what, you know? Yeah. But you're trying to, you know, just jump through the hoops. But in order to volunteer, I had to take the the flu vaccine. Guess what I did? I want to volunteer. I want to help other people. So I went and took the vaccine. Yep. That's where I think it's kind of crazy that this this is it's gotten that far that it's become a statement rather than a re you know that rather than a common sense thing to go play baseball. I don't know if that made yeah. any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. It's funny because you always mention at the outset of the podcast that I was Team USA and I've done some volunteering as well. But we. Um, Millington, Tennessee was where the headquarters was at the time for Team USA mm -hmm. Baseball. We went up to Memphis. It's really close to St. Jude Hospital and visited cancer uh, kids. Oh, there you go. And they, same thing. We had to do either flu vaccine and wear a mask or both, I think, at the time. But it was kind of like, you know, you made these kids days. Like, it wasn't even a thought. You're like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, it wasn't about me or you. Refraining. <laughs> No, yeah. it was about them, right? Like, let's bring some joy to these kids' lives. They're obviously interested in what we're doing. And mm -hmm. you've done the same thing before. And, and the, the other thing that I think is interesting is that if the science played out, we know it's politicized because within the clubhouse, you see these factions. So all the Astros that wanted to travel or need travel were vaccinated. All of this team is vaccinated. Like, it's not even news until you find out. So... Mm -hmm. So it's not like all of Major League Baseball had like a divided clubhouse where you had eight guys that didn't do it and 20 guys that did, eight guys that didn't do it. No, in clubhouses, they must have discussed it like the Astros and said, look, we have aspirations to win the World Series. We want to take every series uh, seriously and we want to have all of our, you know, all the bullets in our gun, for lack of a better analogy. We want to have all of our um, guys available yeah. um, if, if and when healthy. And so let's all get vaccinated and do it, you know, so that we can, as you pointed out, do our job. So that's the part that kind of belies what you said, meaning 
there was a little, there must've been a little faction in the Royals clubhouse that said, Hey, we're not doing, I'm not going to do it either. And it just wasn't strong enough of a pull because most of the teams, yes, they're missing the Red Sox back to my original point. Those four guys that missed were like, we're going to have our full squad next time we go up there. It was almost like they just needed that to realize, Hey, so now you're going to get vaccinated. I know you don't want to have the that retrospect it, though. though, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. The closer said it, they lost two out of four and one of the games they blew a save late and he wasn't eligible. So he's like, I'm going to go up there, but I don't know. I think that's just one, a circular way to get back to your original point, which is, I think, you know, the, 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 the needs of the, the, what did you say? How did needs Spock of the many, yes, yeah. The needs, needs of the of many the outweigh many. the needs of the one. Exactly. Or the few in this case. Yeah. But yes, I would agree. I mean, I just think it's funny how the pockets of the teams more than the pockets <laughs> yeah. within the teams, right? Like yeah. if it was really dangerous or they wouldn't have done it, then each team would have like kind of a group of guys, you know, you yeah. guys, we're going to locker over there, the unvaccinated guys. No, it's 26 dudes in the locker room. We're all cool. Yeah. And I just thought that that was a big <laughs> letdown. And maybe it, it, it's more indicative of the fact that the Royals just feel like they're not going to contend. We're in a rebuilding year. Who, time. We're not going yeah, anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> who the hell cares? I'm not going to Canada. Like, we don't care if we win. I don't think I mean, the players would break. say it that way. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the players would look at it that way. But, hey, you keep telling us we're in rebuilding mode. So, anyway. I just thought that that was 10 was a lot. And I just thought, come on. Like, it get was vaccinated. Do your job. And. Let's move on. I think it kind of brings some of it kind of brings uh, some of the lunacy to it, but you know that's a whole whatever. Yeah. It, it, moving on, you talked about factions in the clubhouse. Let's talk about factions yes. in the clubhouse that create issues in kangaroo court. Yes. Because this is actually something that I'm fascinated about. Because when I played, when you played, you did you have it on minor league teams, kangaroo court? Absolutely. Especially okay. the upper, great. Yeah, I mean, when we you were in, yes. when I was in AAA, we had guys like Dale Swaim come down to AAA or Turner Ward. It's like they, yes, if we didn't have Kangaroo Court and they were down in our locker, it was like, all right, Kangaroo Court, brother. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. it, it was like it was like we had to have it. <laughs> so let, let's try and explain Kangaroo Court a little bit. It, it is a court situation when you're in the clubhouse, but the the penalties and the rules fluctuate greatly because it could be anything from forgetting how many outs there were on the field, running off the field when there's only two outs. It could be getting picked off uh, third base with two outs. I mean, it could be the most mundane thing, or it could be a seriously drastic thing where you didn't get a you didn't get a sacrifice bunt down. It could be you know forgetting what team you're playing against or smashing your helmet, having it come back and hit you in the forehead on national TV. That is a <laughs> kangaroo court fine and everybody on your team is watching everybody you got your eyes on everybody and you're going okay oh that guy psh, dude he didn't put his bat in the bat back bat rack right so uh i'm gonna write him up and all of a sudden it becomes this fun thing usually there's a minimum fine of about you know probably 50 bucks nowadays as much money as these guys are making but it would fluctuate depending on the clubhouse and usually the elder statesman in the clubhouse is the judge you've got a jury you stand up, you make a case, uh, you stand up and uh, and protect your case or try and fight back. And it turns into this, it actually, if it's done it's properly, like, can uh, tell, tell me if I'm wrong. It can actually be like a galvanizing experience where everybody kind of comes together, just getting on each other, having a good time and raising some money for a team party at the end of the year. Was that a good explanation? Absolutely. You nailed it. It's great. Yeah. And I do think it's funny because I mentioned already in this podcast that I was giving my wife a hard time and she's like, hey, 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 <laughs> you know, quit twisting the knife. There was always a guy and I do think galvanizing is a good word. You know, there's always the outliers in the clubhouse, but there's always the one dude that would get up and fight tooth and nail and he just didn't get it. And you're like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, and he was like, you know, here's my hundred bucks, but you guys suck, right? Like, you know, yeah. I don't believe anything you're saying. I feel like you're out for me. So the reason you brought it up, and I do think it's coming back, you mentioned sensitivity training, which is interesting, but I go back to college when I was a freshman. Leave me at college. alone. I'm trying to play the game as yeah. hard as I can. Yeah, there was only like two or three scholarship players uh, as freshmen that made the varsity, right? That traveled to every game mm -hmm. and stuff. But man, we had to we had to lug all the equipment. We had to fix the pitchers' mounds. Like the rakes were out. Like that was just so our true. job. But it wasn't a punishment. It was like, hey, rook, like freshmen. It was a right of passage. Like, you guys, that's right. You guys got to do it. We all did it. And so just 
I know this is the rock the boat thing. And we've talked about this with uh, Gabe Kapler. You know, last year he caught lightning in a bottle, but maybe trying to do things so differently sometimes can be challenging. Mm -hmm. So I I do think it's nice to hear that it's come back. Um, you know, I, I, I still feel like the clubhouse is that last place where HR doesn't have to dip its toe in too much. I mean, there's 25, 26 dudes in there, but you know, we have female <laughs> coaches now and we have a lot of exposure. Yeah. And so, you know, it's probably but cleaned still itself up fun. a little bit, it's but you can fun. still have fun. And I thought of Kangaroo Court, this is when I texted you, I was watching the A's and the Astros yeah, in, in, in Oakland and the pitcher, the lefty, number 19, <laughs> what's his name? Irwin, maybe? Irvin. Yeah, I think it's yeah, Irvin. Irvin had a yellow belt. <laughs> the yeah, whole eight team guys was around wearing him have green. green and he's on the he's on center uh, stage going left. Center stage. I'm like <laughs> and I was I'm getting old as you know. So I'm looking I'm squinting. I'm like is he wearing I a yellow see, like, belt? Oh, that's I'm like is he wearing a yellow belt? <laughs> he's wearing a yellow belt like boom and that's I think Am that's I what I texted you right away. I said kangaroo court cha-ching. Anyway, so he, I'm sure he got it from somebody. Uh, if they still yeah. have it. Again, young clubhouses. I mean, Kemp's on that team. You got to be believe that Kemp's oh. all over him, right? We got Come Kemp, Biscotti. I mean, Jed Lowry's oh. somewhere in the clubhouse. And there, yeah, there you there's, go. There, yeah. Well, even Kotze. Kotze's like, what the hell are you oh, doing? Yeah. Wearing a yellow and Brad belt? Osmus like, is on. the bench coach? Oh, Dude. yeah. All right. That yeah. too got Those hammered. guys are all, yeah. Yeah. yeah, those and guys it's are funny, crushed. If he threw five or six shutout innings, which he didn't, he was pitching decently well. The next game, he would have to go out there with a the yellow belt, and they'd find him more. But he would do but it that's gladly. That's but the isn't game, that the right? Thing? That's like you get written up. Whoever writes you up, you're like, I'd like to defend myself, and you stand up and you're going, "Dude, I threw six shutty against that's the right. Astros with a yellow belt. Why don't that's you right. shut up? I'm going to wear it again. And that's or right. you just I'm stand wear it up again. and you're like, what's the fine? Okay, I'm yep. going to pay that every time I yeah. start. It's 100 bucks, <laughs> and then the next time I do it, it's 200 Okay, here's my 300 bucks now. And yeah, here it yellow is belt me all day long. So anyway, so I, I do like the fact that it's still there. And, and I know that you know real world doesn't always work that way. But I, I just think the kangaroo court, you already brought it up. The galvanizing is the word that stuck with me. It brings mm -hmm. the clubhouse together. Um, yes, uh, there are some more egregious offenses than others <laughs> but uh <laughs> but but you know if it's all in fun like wearing the wrong belt or the wrong stirrups or the wrong hat or the you know all that stuff i mean you got to call mm -hmm. that stuff out and you got to yeah. you got to be buttoned up you know so i'm 100 percent with give you us, and give us the biggest kangaroo court either fine not dollars wise but what was the thing that you got written up the most for or what did you get written up for that you remember like for getting outs oh or what was one of the funnier i know you can't tell certain stories on the podcast even no, though i've it's, got a couple you know, of them i got i, I mean yeah. we obviously it's a podcast yeah. so i will yeah if your kids are listening i may cuss in the yeah. next 10 minutes yeah. but yeah that being said yeah no so uh, being being a switch hitter, you know, in the minor leagues, I wore a double ear flap helmet. So uh, when I got to the big leagues, the equipment guy asked me, you know, Jed Lowry, I think, is a guy that still wears the two flap uh, as yeah. a switch hitter. I and, love the uh, my, two flapper. The, I would wear it. Hell no, man! I busted my ass to get the the single yeah. flap. But now so you got to have the big that big thing in front of your face anyway. That like well, because every so a hundred billion miles an hour with it going anyway, everywhere. Sorry. So. Uh, the equipment manager in Montreal or every team I've actually gone to until they realized that I did wear the one flap every time. But he, you know, he goes, do you want the two flap or do you want two single flap helmets? And I said, I want two single flap helmets, damn it. So of course, you know, I get the two single flaps. It takes up all the room in my bag when I'm traveling and things like that. But there would be moments where there, there were plenty of moments and I got fined for pretty much every single one of them where I would be the pinch hitter. I would get ready and I would go up there, left-handed helmet on, so the ear flaps on my right ear, getting loose. They'd make a pitching change and I wouldn't flinch. And guys would be like, Blomar, you need your other helmet. I'm like, huh? And I'd go up, I've gone up there without with the wrong helmet and had to delay the game, had to go get my helmet. The bat boy had to go get it. You know, it was like this whole ordeal. So I got written up for that. A couple of times, that was probably the most egregious. And I did that, you know, the two outs where you kind of grab the ball, you make a great play, you pop up, and you're like pimp running off the field, like yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, Oops. everybody's still on the field, and you're going, oh shit, <laughs> you know, you're getting crushed. <laughs> That's right. And uh, but there was a rule on every kangaroo court, which oddly enough, in the clubhouse was no cussing. So That's if right. we were running a little light on cases, I would be the guy that would run up the tab, and I'd be like. 
<laughs> you know, there, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're trying they to would say, is there, are, there any, are there any more cases? You know, I'm trying to figure out how, are there any more cases that need to be heard? And I'd be like, you know, I effing got one and they'd be like yeah. 20 bucks. And I'm like, yeah. you've got to be shitting me. Yeah. And they're like, that's another 20 bucks. And all of a sudden yeah. there'd be like two or three other guys would be like, man, that's yeah. bullshit. You know, all of a sudden yep. you've got and now like an extra got, five, right. 600 bucks. Yeah. There you go. So that, that, that was part of the fun and just running it up. But, uh, you know, those are my brief yeah. kangaroo court stories. No, I like those. I mean, I know we have bigger ones. I think we've even told one on the podcast before, but that's, I mean, I think that's pretty normal. I mean, I, I would say wearing the wrong flap, like you probably figure that out pretty quickly. Cause you're like, wait a second, yeah. this looks pretty wide open i don't know anyway that's funny but uh yeah but those no, are the kind good. of things that you need to be called out for and as you said it's a bonding experience in the clubhouse and you know yes i hope the i hope the a's have a strong kangaroo court going um you mentioned that you're aware that the astros do have a kangaroo court going so be yeah they've done a good job like some of the some of the cases out of there i wonder if bregman got hammered for uh being the winner of the the Mike Trout <laughs> fantasy football <laughs> league. Now they know he has some money in his pocket and that. the fact that he got outed by uh, Mike Trout. Like, uh oh. Yeah. They should have fined well, Mike Trout for that. I know, for letting that out. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. That's another it, thing. It, yeah. It's it, like if you let get him in absentia when we see Trout, like, yeah. you know. Well, you know, we, we talk about experiences in the clubhouse and that's where you learn how to play the game, to be a professional on and off the field. You learn how to handle yourself around 25 other guys, uh, playing a, a high, you know, intense, highly athletic, uh, sport. And sometimes families get involved, you know, especially if, uh, players have sons, they'll be in the clubhouse. They'll be roaming around. They'll be on the field, you know, shagging during batting practice. They'll get to go out early and take some swings. Did you happen to see any of the Major League uh, Baseball draft uh, this past couple of days, Tuttle? I did. And I sent you, yeah. I think, well, I didn't send you the article, but I mentioned to you uh, when we saw each other live that I just couldn't believe. I said, one of the ways to get drafted these days is going to, yeah. you know, too bad you have four daughters. It's like, is to just have offspring that are- uh, Just pedigree, have are, the name. Yeah, just pedigree. So yeah, I think they set a record, but the four, four first round picks- Mm -hmm. Sons of uh, ex-big leaguers, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, four or five. So I, I thought that was pretty fascinating. And just a quick story: a couple of years ago, when uh, the Blue Jays were playing an ex exhibition game in Montreal, I was sitting at a bar in Houston with my wife. We were having a glass of wine before we had dinner, and up pops the TV, and they go around the diamond, and it's Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr. at third base, it's Bo Bichette at shortstop, and Kevin Biggio at second base. My wife and I just kind of looked at each other like, you got to be kidding me. All like all ex-teammates now have players in the big leagues. Yeah. And to your point, Tuttle, you know, the number one pick overall was uh, Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday's son, and then uh, Carl Crawford's son got drafted, and there were a couple others mixed in there. But well, second obviously pick was there's Andrew value Jones in son. that. Yeah, yeah. And Drew Jones was you know the second was the pick. Second pick, but so I mean, there's value in that. And is there yeah. is there something to be said for name equity? Number one, do you put too much value on that? And how much value do you put on a kid who's grown up in a clubhouse? I think that might carry a little weight too. Yeah, we're gonna find out. I mean, that's the bottom line. I thought it was funny they showed a couple pictures of Matt Holiday in the in the uh, underneath the stadium when. Uh, when Jackson was three years old, throwing him, you know, BP under the, you know, and I think you mentioned mm -hmm. before that Corey used to do that for Vlad Guerrero Jr. You know, when he was <laughs> Dude, like a little toddler. So she, she was his first hitting coach. But I, I do think <laughs> it's really interesting because, I mean, as a scout, we've talked about analytics versus instinct, right? There's got to be some instinct there. Some of these guys yeah. are obviously good players, but where do you, like, where do you go as the, as the, as the hotbed or the breeding ground? They know, you know, they're going to have the right mentality. We talked about the Boone family before, um, you know, Ray Boone and then Bob Boone, and then having two sons that play in the big leagues, there was definitely pedigree there that is valuable. And so yeah. it'll be interesting to see. And we've seen it with, I think, Drabeck's son, right? And now the shortstop yeah. in Kansas City. Uh, Jack Leiter. Uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Leiter is a pitcher in Texas. Mm -hmm. Who's the shortstop in Kansas City? I can't think of him either. But his. Oh, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah. So Bobby Witt. I mean, like, we could just go down the list. So there's certainly. They're Some guys the have torch. gotten there and become all stars, dude. They've been yeah, very yeah. good. I'm with yeah. you. So there is, yeah. I think there is something growing in that area. Yeah. So, but it was weird to see. I mean, Lou Collier's kid. I played against Lou Collier. I put, played against Carl Crawford. <laughs> That's what I thought you, know, too. you were teammates to all these guys. I'm like, damn. Yeah. I played against Lou. Like, 
I, I don't know. They got started with kids earlier than I did, and they got them into baseball sooner as well. So it, it, it's a it's an interesting phenomenon. I did watch a draft. It is funny how the draft, the hockey draft, the baseball draft, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry, the basketball draft and the NBA draft are so like front of the line on ESPN. Like this is you know this guy it's and that great. guy, and I baseball is just a yeah. But baseball is a little bit different. They finally got mm-hmm. it back onto TV. Um, yeah you know, kind of the way it should be. It's more of pomp and circumstance. You and I have probably told these stories before. We didn't have cell phones. I didn't when I was drafted. And I had an apartment on campus and I stayed home that day and the phone didn't ring as early as I wanted it to ring, right? You're like, hey, I know, stick around right? the phone. You know, anyway, I, Yeah, so. I did the same thing. That being said, some of those fathers of those draftees were all stars. Now, I feel like there's been a, a pretty drastic shift in the all-star game. I don't know if it's because I cover baseball now that I'm just so burned out by the time the all-star break comes that I kind of back off a little bit and I'll watch it kind of out of the peripheral. I won't focus on it, but, uh, you know, we talked about it in the open of this podcast, Altuve, Springer, Trout, uh, some of these other guys are not going, or the guys that we wanted to go to the all-star game are not going to the all-star game. My question for you, Tuttlin, is, you know, our last topic that we'll cover here is, yeah. has the All-Star game lost its luster? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I don't watch the NBA a whole lot during the year, but I will catch myself watching the dunk contest and or the three-point contest on that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, skills, I find yeah. Myself watching a, yeah, I find myself watching a little of the home run derby, the celebrity softball game. Eh, I don't care. The futures game, huh. I couldn't watch because the uniforms... Those were terrible. God, yeah. Tell me you're trying <laughs> so, too hard without telling me you're trying too hard. Yeah, there Jeez. You go. Anyway, and they spread it out just like baseball, right? 162 games. I feel like if they could have that all in one day on one TV night, it's fine. So I will watch a little of the home run derby. From a fan's perspective, mm-hmm. I still think I like to watch the all-star game. I mean, I say that like, oh, really enthusiastically, obviously. But, but I definitely think it has lost its luster with the players. And we saw this with the Pro Bowl. Yeah. I remember the Pro Bowl was basically oh, big nothing. Time. Like, they just wanted a free trip to Hawaii and they could bring their family. And then they were like, well, it's not competitive. So let's keep it here and let's have it. hand touch. Right. And let's have it the week before the uh, Super Bowl. That way guys aren't out mm-hmm. of shape and it's not so. So they actually have tried to make it a little more fan friendly and a fan fest type thing. But it's interesting because I think that the Pro Bowl has never been, never been a, a well kind of thought out, populated, like followed thing. And I think the all-star mm-hmm. game is actually starting to go that route now that like home field advantage for the world series. No, which I didn't think that was a good idea anyway, but gosh, no. when, back when Pete Rose and George Foster and Steve Carlton and, you know, I mean, that, they were trying those to games, kill each other. Yeah. You would watch those games with intent. It was awesome. And the, 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 I love those all-star games. And maybe those are, were the old men now on the bench in, in the bleachers where the old men, Hey, they don't play yeah. the way they used to, but now, you know, play Verlander's hard. out, Verlander's out, Trout's out, like uh, the Dodgers guys are out, somebody else is out, this guy, they didn't stack the pitching this way. And I do mm-hmm. think it was interesting when some of the starters dropped out, like a Verlander dropped out and yeah. they put the closer for the White Sox in because the mm-hmm. way the Yankee, the way the game works is everybody kind of gets one inning anyway. So you should probably, <laughs> if you're not going to throw starters in there, that's going to get one or two, just throw nine like late Take end the guys relievers. in the bullpen. Yeah, you might as well, right? I mean, you know, those yeah. are good guys. No, I'm with you. So, but I definitely think it's lost its luster. Maybe it's just a trout thing. Um, we can get into some deeper conversation around the popularity contest and how they're uh, uh, selected anyway. When we said this before, when you have like one guy from Toronto and the whole country's voting for him, whereas or show you know, the Astros where have, he gets an entire country of Japan, right? Yeah, man. The, but the Astros have five it. dudes that are worthy, and you have only Houston voting yeah. for him because Dallas is voting for Texas Ranger guys. And you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a it's a challenging deal. So I don't know what to say about it, but I definitely think. Maybe not from the fans' perspective with the home run derby and seeing all the all stars in one place, especially here yeah. in LA, but certainly from the players' perspective, especially the guys that have made it multiple times, it's kind of like, man, mm-hmm. I think they're shrugging their shoulders and walking away. Yeah. No, I, I think the game has become secondary. I'm with you in that sense. Uh, there's so much money in the game. You know, is it worth a Mike Trout to go out there and play and risk anything? Is it is you know that's part of it. And then, like you said, it's such a pain in the ass, especially this year with the lockout. The Astros have three days off. They you know Monday's an off day. Tuesday's or Monday's uh, 
home run derby. Tuesday is the all-star game. Wednesday is a travel day to get back to Houston to play a doubleheader on Thursday before they fly to Seattle. So logistically, it turned into a train wreck this season. And I think that's why some of the Astros and some of these other guys maybe are like, I appreciate it, but I'm going to take a break. I, you know, Tucker's going to go. Framber Valdez is going to go. So I applaud those first timers because there is yeah, some there's some value for them. It, you know, it, it, it's an appreciation for how hard they've played and being named an All Star is still a big deal in my eyes. I think it's fantastic. But here's the thing: this is why it has lost its luster because, like you said, Pete Rose, Johnny Bench, uh, you know, Reggie Jackson, these guys. I mean, they played their brains out in the all-star game because they wanted to prove that they were a better league than the other league. Guess what they don't have anymore? There's no separation, dude. You have a homogenized game right now that doesn't have National League, doesn't have American League. We've been playing, uh, you know, interleague rules for the last 15 years and now everybody has a universal dh guess what there's no difference between any of these leagues anymore so guess what you just got this mishmash of people playing the same game and there's no separation so there's no in you know there's no intrigue and there's no intensity saying we're better than you you know so i I think that's the problem yeah I, i like what you said i mean i think that it was always fun when they went to the national league park like they are going to uh Chavez Ravine this year when you had the American League. That was the only chance you had to see the American League team. It was great, but you got to see the pitchers hit and then you had like you you end up subbing guys in and they had to play by National League rules. And now, like you said, with interleague play and the fact that they have standardized the rules, you don't get to see that uh, disparity or that challenge, you know, the strategy behind it. The other thing here that you mentioned, I I, this is easy to say because it's not a situation that I will ever be in, but you mentioned the money. It's like I get it from Verlander because he's older and he's a starter and he's having a fantastic mm-hmm. year and you want to save your bullets. But I don't get it like Trout. Yeah, he has back spasms. But, you know, you said Springer's a good example. So George Springer opted out and then he played three games in a row. I think somebody like Springer should go. This isn't a money thing anymore. The money's guaranteed. Like, what the hell do they care? Like, go True, to the All-Star point. game. If you pull your oblique in the home run contest, you know, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have gone. But, you know, you... You like look at Pete Alonso's going for his third home run co- derby mm-hmm. contest in a row. Like he's an all star. He's on a good team. This is what you grew up doing. This is what you did in your backyard with your brother. Like I'm going to smash some home runs. I'm going to the all star game. I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to make a name. Talk for some trash. Yeah. Yeah. You can get some endorsements. You can you know bond with other guys. I mean, I watched the uh, highlights. I guess I was watching a little game yesterday. Bregman hit the. Uh, game winner uh in the all-star game in 2019 that yeah. you guys put the highlight up yesterday and yep. like you know the team they dug out mobbed them you know and these are all the guys mm-hmm. that you're competing against and trying to beat their brains in day after day and they you know they respect you and you get to kind of be you know comrades with these guys and i just think it's yes. uh I, I agree with you there's no disparity there's a lot of changes the rules have all kind of made it uh homogenized which is a great word but i do think that that within the players it might have lost its luster but you know making too much money and doing all that isn't an excuse because they got to remember now i'm sounding like the fan they got to remember why they grew up playing the game and i think attending the Mm all-star game and putting your best foot forward would certainly be um respected and respectable now i completely agree but at the same time i'm gonna put something out there that this is what this is what i believe springer was a part of the 2017 houston astros Jose Altuve, part of this 2017 Astros. Those were the two guys that were voted uh, into the All-Star game as starters. They are not going because they say it's a quote-unquote injury. Uh, this will be the second year in a row I think they've they've avoided the the All-Star game. It's in Los Angeles. There is the I don't know if you watched any of the Futures game, but the two Astro prospects that were playing in the Futures game, guess what? Got booed. So I think there is a partial, maybe behind the scenes revolt, and this is only my theory, that there's a little revolt between those guys and Major League Baseball where they're pissed that they got scapegoated the way they did, and they're like, we we're playing we're still playing phenomenal baseball, good enough to be all stars, but why would I why would I take that honor and have it tarnished? By going to LA and getting my brains booed out. The other, yeah. the the only other thing on the other side of that would be is if I'm Jose Altuve, I'd be like, dude, I'm going into Dodger Stadium as an All Star for the eighth time in my career, and guess what? 
I'm going to go deep and I'm going to take about a 45 second trot around the bases (laughs) while you're booing me. And I'm going to step on home plate. I'm going to tip my cap. I'm going to sign some autographs and I'm going right back to Houston, man. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, you know, it depends on how big that chip is. And I I do think you probably have where there's smoke, there's fire. You probably have some insight or you've heard some rumblings, but I do. That's no, honestly, I've never talked to those guys about it. And this is just purely my feelings because I would, I would feel that's just how I would feel. I don't know if they feel the same way, but that's how I feel. I'm like, you know what? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going out to your little circus to get booed. Yeah, that's a good point. It's funny. I was in my gym last week, and remember, I'm in Orange County, so there's either Angels or Dodger fans, quite a few Dodger yep. fans, and somebody was talking about going to the Freeway Series, and they were like, yeah, we went up to the Dodgers. Uh, no, no, no. They went to the Angels-Astros games when you guys were in town last week, and they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, and this little number 27 kept this lady's like, I don't watch any baseball, and she's like, this number 27 <laughs> kept coming up, and they were booing him. like They booed him the whole time, this whole at-bat. And she's like, I had to like Google, like what the hell was going on there? And anyway, it was really <laughs> funny to hear. Like I didn't say funny. boo, man. I just walked to the other side of the gym. Like, listen, I'm like, yeah. all right. Yeah. We haven't talked about that on this podcast ever. So anyway, I think that's all we got for this week. We got a, we got a yep. little, uh, surprise one coming up and we're guests somewhere. Yeah, we're gonna, It's going to be fun. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have a, uh, we'll have a quick, we'll have a quick turnaround. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. This is the first half kind of breakdown. Uh, we really didn't have an opportunity to give you our first half MVP Cy Young's. Maybe we'd have a quick turnaround and talk about that in our next podcast, but you want to, you want to subscribe. You want to listen to Bleacher Blums because next podcast, we are actually going to have an Yankees podcaster and fan on the Bleacher Blums podcast. Stay tuned. It's going to be very interesting. <laughs> Tuttle and I are going to ask the tough, hard-hitting questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. All right. So uh, we want to thank the first responders, healthcare workers. Obviously, teachers are off for the summer, so maybe we don't have to thank them. No, enjoy your two months off because schools are coming quickly. Um, if you're over the age of 45, please don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. And again, we appreciate all the freedoms that you guys Uh, give us for uh, protecting and serving uh, our country and our cities and our communities. So, Blummer. Hey, it's the end of the podcast. Make sure you get after it and believe it. Believe it. Do or do not. There is no try.